Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The word of the Lord. Emily Carter, everybody. Very good. Thank you, Emily. So one of my favorite movies of all time, it's not just for Christmas anymore, is the movie A Christmas Story. You familiar with this movie? It's the story of Ralphie. He's this boy who wants more than anything in the world an official Red Rider carbine action, 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. So he tells this to everybody he can, as Christmas approaches, he tells this to everybody who will listen. He writes an essay uh, to his teacher about it. He tells Santa. He asks his parents over and over and over again. And they all give him the exact same refrain. Do you know it? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Dejected but excited, he goes to bed on Christmas Eve night and wakes up the next morning. And he kind of scurries around the tree and he's looking for a BB gun shaped box anywhere under the tree and he can't find it. And they go through the whole present unwrapping experience. His brother is asleep on the floor, uh, hugging a blimp. And there's this moment of quiet and his dad is sitting, sitting next to him and says, hey, what's that over there? And behind the blinds, kind of tucked away, right in between the Christmas tree and the blinds, there's this little box that is just peeking out. And he runs over to the box and he pushes away the blinds and grabs the box. And sure enough, it's the Red Rider. And he immediately gets on his galoshes, he gets on his jacket, and he goes outside. And if you remember the end of the story... The exact thing that everybody, Santa, his teacher, his parents, told him was going to happen, happened. His first shot that he takes, it ricochets back, hits him in the glasses, and almost shoots his eye out if it wasn't for his glasses. Breaks his glasses, he falls on the ground, and then he steps on his own glasses. The very thing that he thought he wanted more than anything is the very thing that he shouldn't have had in the first place. And so it is that so many of the things that we ask for as we pray, God, would you give me this? Would you give me this? Would you give me this? Might be the very thing that would shoot our eye out. Because we've been in this prayer series for the past number of weeks called Why Pray? And we're trying to just confront what are some of the difficulties, some of the reasons why we don't pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of the reasons why prayer is difficult. 
Some of the reasons why we, we find it difficult when we quiet ourselves to actually talk to this God that we can't see. This week, with <clears throat> a particular focus on the Lord's Prayer as we've been walking sort of line by line through this, we've landed on the question, why pray? Because God doesn't answer my prayers anyways. My experience of when I ask God for stuff, most of the time, he is not giving me the things that I ask for, so why even pray? And into that, what Emily just spoke, this Lord's Prayer, this petition in the Lord's Prayer for daily bread, give us today our daily bread, begins to insert itself into this question, why pray because God doesn't give me what I want? Most of the time, when we pray, there's one of three answers that God has given. There's a yes, there's a no, and there's a wait. Typically, the no and the wait sort of feel like the same thing. But God is giving us exactly what we needed if we had his eyes to see everything that he can see. Because the very thing we may be asking for, if we got it, may actually turn on us and give us the opposite of what we're wanting. And so for God not to necessarily answer every one of our prayers is not a testimony to his aloofness or his evilness or his lack of care for us. It's actually the very opposite. It's showing he knows me better than I know me. He knows my needs better than I know my needs. And he's caring for me even more than I would know to care for myself. So he invites us then to pray every day for all of the daily, ordinary, normal things that we need. And this is another one of those places where it has a lot more to do with what he's doing in us as we pray, as he's more and more conforming us to trust his fatherhood over our lives, his kingdom coming to earth, his will being done over and above mine, and for all of those things to actually satisfy me in all of the ways that I think I need to be satisfied. So where we're going to go this morning is try to answer these two questions together uh, as we wrestle with this big idea of God answering our prayers. The first is, what is daily bread? When Jesus says this, petition, what is he talking about? What is daily bread? Second question, how does asking for daily bread change us? What is daily bread? How does asking change us? One of the things that for some reason has jumped off the page to me, I, I just taught through the Lord's Prayer a couple of years ago, but something that has really jumped off the page to me this year is the logical sequence, the order in which the Lord's Prayer happens is very purposeful. If you were to take these and sort of rearrange them, they could tell you something very different about who God is. But when we start, so many weeks ago, when we started that first petition, Our Father, there are so many other ways that God could have asked us to relate to him. And yet he invites us consistently, every time we pray, pray then like this, our Father. 
So he's already out of the gate communicating something about who he is. And then Matthew 7, he goes on just one chapter later to say, if that's our God, if he is a father, then isn't he going to care for us even more than our earthly fathers care for our children? By the way, happy Father's Day. All the fathers in the room. Um, so then he moves from God as our father, and so we can then bring all of our tangly real self to him. What this is saying is we don't have to enter into prayer with all of our self put together. We can enter in and say, here I am. Here's all of my mess. Here's all of my wants and needs. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I don't need. I'm not sure what's good for me right now. This is all the ways that I'm feeling here. And the, the second petition then, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So here are my needs, and then I'm saying, I want you to be over these needs. I want you to be high and lifted up above these things that right now in my heart are screaming are the most important things as I've woken up this morning. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Take these needs and align them with your purpose. Align them with your will. Align them with what's actually best for all of this thing that you are holding together just with a word of your power. After that kind of movement in our hearts, we're clarifying. God is almost like, for all you engineers and sort of linear thinkers in the room, this is like a decision-making matrix that God is allowing us to kind of walk through here. Any issue, any problem, any need we have, we can bring that to our Father. We can submit it under his lordship, we can ask that it would be aligned with his kingdom and purpose in the world, and then we can just let it go. We can leave that in his able hands. And so there's this logical progression of the Lord's Prayer. Now here's the issue. Most of the time, we reverse that order. We start with the middle. We start with, here's all the things that I want. And therefore, if these are all the things that I want and you're not giving them to me, then I'm actually the king of my life. My name's actually the one to be hallowed. I'm the one who takes care of myself. And that begins to write a very different story for how we believe our life and our shape and our purpose is in this world. And so the... The image here, Jesus could have said a lot of things when he says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus is lifting this idea of daily bread all the way out of the pages of Exodus. He's lifting these out of the story just after the Israelites were set free from captivity. As the Lord through Moses leads his people out of slavery into the wilderness, out of Egypt and into no man's land. And then he creates, as a good father would, sort of a plan of growth for these children of his. And as he calls them out of slavery, he wants to, in all kinds of ways, remind his people, you are more than slaves. You are not alone in this world. You are not meant to fend for yourself. You have a father in heaven. I am your God. You are my people. You are the sheep of my pasture, I will, everything Janie just reminded us in Psalm 23, 
I will lead you beside still waters and restore your soul. That's my job, God is saying. And so here's what I want you to do. And he gives them this like daily practice. Every morning, this sweet, flaky substance is going to fall out of the sky and is going to light itself all over your camp. And I want you to gather only what you need for that day. No more, no less. You gather too much, the next day it rots and smells and spoils. You gather too little, the sun burns it away and you don't have enough to get through that day. Only get your daily bread. Only get what you need for that day. And God is purposefully placing them in this position of need. Giving them only what they need for today. Jesus would say, would go on in the Sermon on the Mount to say, every day has enough worry just in itself. Don't worry about what you need tomorrow. Just worry about, God, I need today's bread. Would you fill my hands? They're empty. But is that the direction? Did, did Israel just be like, oh, thank you, God. This is the best manna we've ever had. We could never make this on our own. We love this. Give it to us forever. No. Every morning they wake up and it's manna. And then they wake up the next day and it's manna. And then they wake up the next day and it's miraculous manna again. And they begin to grow sick of it. And they begin to groan. And they begin to complain. And they begin to think, man, you guys, you remember back in Egypt, we used to have as much meat as we could want. Now, it was putrid meat that they pulled out of the trash can, but, oh, that meat was so good. And they begin to rewrite their story thinking, no, I actually want to go back into slavery. I don't like being free. Being free is actually worse. Can I just go back to Egypt? And when we start in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, that is the narrative that our hearts begin to write. I don't want to have to wait on you. I want what I want when I want. And when you don't give it to me, I'm going to turn on you. And you fast forward all the way to Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. And there is this majestic, amazing, holy God in fire and thunder on Mount Sinai. And they are at the base of that mountain. And are they worshiping that God? They are completely turned in on themselves, melting down all the gold. All the gold, by the way, that they had gotten, that the Lord had given them as they exited Egypt. Melting it and turning it into a little idol that they could get their arms around. Because following this God, waiting on him every day, not knowing where we're going is the worst. You feel that? I feel that. Their experience is not too different from ours. There was this mantra that uh, the camp that I worked at growing up that we would say, we would send them out every day with this on their lips. I would say, if it's to be, and everyone in the room would say, it's up to me. 
Now go get them. Follow Jesus. If it's to be, it's up to me. That is the narrative when we begin with our needs and then write the story backwards about when God does or doesn't give them to us on our timetable. We are rewriting this narrative where we are saying, if it's to be, I get it. I I see what's actually going on here. It's really up to me. I'm the one who has to be in charge of my life because obviously you're not doing a great job. And it begins to set a trajectory of reactivity and anger and anxiety, the more of that burden that sits on our shoulders. And we, just like Israel, believe I'm alone. Nobody cares for me. I'm an orphan. It'd be better just to go back into slavery because this following God is, thing is so difficult. And then, this is just talking about daily bread. How about when things get real bad? How about when big stuff in your life happens? How about when your marriage is in a really tough spot? How about when you just lose a child or a relative or a friend? How about when you have an illness and a diagnosis that you don't see coming? If those little things you're not trusting the Lord in on a daily basis, how much more will you completely lose it when the big things come? This is a training ground in all of the dailies to trust him in that is building up in us this endurance to trust him when the big things come as well. And so God invites us. What is daily bread? God is inviting us to ask him for parking spaces and lost sets of keys and the money for our daily coffee fix. All of the daily things that we need. He's our father, so he cares. And he hears them, and he will give in his providence exactly what we need in every day. That's what is daily bread. Second, how does asking for this daily bread begin to change us? Uh, I'm calling this section the gospel via jelly roll. There's... There's a, a country star right now who's on the rise whose name is Jelly Roll. And he actually has this very prophetic song on the radio right now. It's called Need a Favor. Have you heard this? I'm not going to sing it. Uh, the li- <laughs> I only talk to God when I need a favor. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not going to finish it because then there's bad words. Um, Excuse me. But so essentially it's I only talk to God when I need a favor. So who am I, with the expletive, who am I that I should expect a savior? That's the narrative that I'm talking about. That's the narrative that begins to build if we are at the center of our own prayers. God, I know I don't talk to you that much anyways. And so, I mean, why would you even give me anything? I know I haven't done a great job this week, so why would you bless me? I know that my, my track record right now is not great, and so why would I believe that you would actually give me anything that I actually want? I know that I'm on your bad list. I know that I've just got to do a few more things. Maybe this week will be better than last week, and if I can just do those things, then maybe your blessings will rain down. 
And we begin to write this narrative in our heads of God being this sort of spiteful old man who is like, well, you finally called. It's been long enough. Hmm. Oh, and now you're only calling because you want something. Interesting. That is the narrative that so naturally we believe about our God and why the Lord's Prayer even exists. Everything that exists in the scriptures is in the, based on the assumption that we're going to believe the opposite. Every truth that finds itself in the scriptures is there because we are naturally going to do the reverse or believe the falsity instead of the truth. And so here it is. When we start with ourselves, it writes a new narrative for who this God is, and then we find ourselves walking away from him and not towards him. And so praying for daily bread then is to remind us we're starting every morning with this tangle in our hearts saying, Father, 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 I'm believing that that's who you are and that this tangle I have inside of me that you are actually both caring and powerful enough to handle, will you? But it's really interesting. Every one of those daily bread kind of needs ultimately point to a greater hunger that is also inside each one of us. John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, performs this amazing miracle, and of course, the next morning, what happens after you eat? The next morning, you're hungry again. And so this crowd goes back to Jesus. Some of those 5,000 go back to Jesus and say, hey, that bread yesterday was really great. That was, that was, you know, some French bread that was just off the chain. Could we have some sourdough this morning? Maybe with a little bit of butter? Could you, like, somehow holy toast that? And he says something very different and does something very different than he does the previous day. The previous day, he gives them what they are asking for physically. The next day, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will hunger no more. Every one of these needs that we find inside of ourselves, that we start every day with, every bit of this tangle that is inside my heart that I am I am so deeply wanting to be satisfied. Every desire for food or drink or sex or friendship or intimacy or comfort or control is ultimately pointing towards there is a satisfaction for those things. There is a fulfillment in those things. And it's Jesus. It is our encounter with the transcendent God of the universe that ultimately calms every one of those things and satisfies it. Jesus goes on to say, I only, my food is only to do the will of my Father. Have you ever been so caught up in something that you forget to eat? Like something that you're so, maybe it's a project you're so deep into. Maybe it's a book that is just so engrossing to you. Uh, maybe it's whatever video game is your soup du jour where you are so focused in on that thing, you just even forget to eat. Jesus is saying, the reason that I forget to eat, the reason that I'm so satisfied is because I love doing what my father tells me to do. 
his satisfaction, he's tying a physical need with a spiritual satisfaction. Not to the exclusion of the physical. We, we are temporal people. We need all of those things just to get by. But each one of those things, God has also placed this little echo of himself inside of our desires. And so as we begin to wrestle with our, this tangle in our own hearts, we can begin to see what am I actually longing for? And how might God actually in and of himself be the satisfaction that I am looking for in so many other places? But Jelly Roll's kind of right. Like, if, mo- if I track my prayer life, and the majority of the times I actually do sit down and talk to him are because I want stuff. If that's the kind of transactional relationship that I have with this God, then why would he give me anything? Why wouldn't he just be like, Okay, you want to go figure it out by yourself? You go figure it out by yourself. How in all of our unfaithfulness can he still be faithful? A microscope is what Jesus is calling for on his own life here when he says what he says about, I love doing the will of my father because who in the world has ever said that with full integrity? Oh, I just love to do what God tells me to do all the time. Raise your hand. I dare you. No. There's only one person who has ever fully only loved and been satisfied with only doing the will of God in all, in all things, in every moment, without sin. There's only one human who has ever done that, and his name is Jesus. Why did he have to do that? He had to do that because we won't. He was building up this record of righteousness for us. The way we should have lived, he lived as our substitute. And then that record of righteousness that he could have taken all the way back to heaven and said, peace out. Instead, on the cross, Jesus has had the only truly unanswered prayer in the history of prayers. On the cross, Jesus is crying out, Father, why? Actually, he doesn't say Father. He says, God, why have you forsaken me? Knowing full well that that prayer would bounce off the ears of God, would bounce off the ceiling, would not make it to his ears, and he would not save him. Jesus' faithful prayer was unheard. Why? So that our unfaithful prayers... His fatherhood is only ours. God's fatherhood is only ours because a perfect son has given us adoption into his family and has stood in our place, has taken all the pains of an orphan, exiled from the love of God, exiled from the daily needs of of him being cared for so that you and I could have that kind of a relationship that's not dependent on us. God answering your prayers does not depend on your goodness or badness. God's answering your prayers depends on Jesus' faithfulness, which was perfect. You do not have to worry that because of how good or a bad week 
you have had. God will bless you more or less. That is a false God. That is not our Father. And so then we're invited. We're invited. This daily bread prayer is an invitation to more and more take this tangle and pull it out and look at it from all its different facets and give it to him. So for instance, let's say you're struggling with the question, should I take a new job? Let's walk that through these petitions as we get towards the middle of our daily bread. So, Father, should I take this job? I'm so tangled up about it right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's right. Our Father in heaven might cause you to ask the question, am I trying to climb some, am I just like doing the dance and trying to climb the ladder with this new position? Or am I resting in the Father's smile our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Is this new posi- position a chance to hallow his name more, lift up his name more, or am I just trying to lift up my name more and my comfort more? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Would this position allow me to love God and love neighbor, to bring God's kingdom to bear in a new and unique way, using the best of what I have to bring, of what gifts God has given me, to bring his kingdom to bear in a new way, in a new place? Or is this really all about my kingdom and my will? And then we give it to him. Your will be done. Give me what I need. It can open up a completely different set of questions that not, is not just about survival but it's about thriving in this glorious kingdom that God has allowed us to give him. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, you have a note card that is on your seat, under your seat, somewhere around your seat. We're going to do a little exercise as we close. Let's go ahead and pull that out. Uh, <clears throat> this is, if you're interested at what we're about to do more, uh, there's a book in the back of the room right now called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Uh, I believe some of us in the room have read that and uh, found it super helpful, and, uh, and I would commend that book to you. What we're about to do is build a prayer card. Here's the beauty of what Jesus allows us and actually invites us into. We can take all of those little things that are right now getting at you. We can't do them all, but let's pick one. So at the very top of your card, I want you to write something that is burden, a need or a want that's burdening you right now. What's something you feel worried about? What's something you feel anxious about? What's something you really hope that God will provide some clarity, provision, help? And it can be as mundane and ordinary as whatever is actually truthfully with integrity going on inside your heart. Or it could be something big. Okay? So it's one need or want that you feel burdened with right now. Right below that, <clears throat> I don't believe, do we have Matthew 7 on a slide or no? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, uh, just the last verse. 
if then you who are evil, verse 11, write down verse 11 right under your knee. I'll give you a minute. Paul Miller calls this putting the word to work. You're putting God's promises on display and saying, you said this, so do it. Okay? And then when you get done with that, just write a couple of, a couple of specific prayer requests under that that you'd like to see God do. So let's say on your top you put, you're worried about finances. So some specific prayer requests might be, uh, God, would you help me pay off my credit card? Should I fix the car that I have? Should I get a new one? Should I update my kitchen right now? Should I leave it as is? Whatever you would like specifically to ask him to help you with right now. Okay, so the need, putting the word to work, Matthew 7:11, and then what are some specific prayer requests you would like to ask him to do with that? Now here's the fun thing. You've now created a little snapshot of at least one, you've taken a, a piece out of the loaf of the daily bread and you've put it on a card. And now you have the opportunity to put that away somewhere, pull it out and pray for it once a day, every day this week. And now you have an opportunity to follow the story of what God is doing. What is your heavenly father doing with your need? And as you see him answer a prayer, you can jot that down. As you see him update your heart in some way that you feel it being shaped or going, update that need, you can write that down. This is not a static request. This is a living story because this is a living God that we are in relationship with. So here's my, one of my uh, prayer card stories. This is a, a while ago, I was coaching soccer for the first time. I didn't play soccer growing up. Uh, I knew very little about it. I'd watched it some on TV, but not much. And I just did the thing that dads do when, you know, when there was a, a need and a little bit of a guilt trip from the association. Oh, we're looking for coaches. Sure do wish some people would help us out. And I'm like, fine. So I sign up. I coach. This is like uh, U8, so eight-year-old soccer. And I had no idea what I was doing. I felt so massively anxious uh, about, about the experience. Like, I surprised myself. The, with how anxious and worried I felt about coaching this little kid's soccer thing. Like, why do I feel so awful about this? You ever been surprised at your own anxiety? Uh, and I wrote a prayer card. 
it happened to be around the time when I was rereading the book. I wrote a prayer card, and I asked God, help me not to stink at my job here, and help me, uh, would my heart be settled with what you've called me into, uh, that I could do it with confidence. And he actually showed up a couple of weeks later as I was coaching uh, this competitive coach, happened to be right next to us, and we struck up a conversation. I told him I have no idea what I'm doing with these kids, and he shared with me, like, this is how you can structure a practice. These are some drills and things that you can do. And I was like, shoot, I asked for that, and there it was. And it didn't fix everything. I still had a parent complain at the end of the season because I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. And But my heart began slowly to get more free from that fear of being good and being recognized as being good from other people. And I don't know that I would have seen God's hand quite as uh, sufficiently if I hadn't have been tracking it along the way. So I hope this week that the Lord will help you to live in the story of what he is doing and the daily bread that he is providing for you as your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. So, Father, I pray uh, for all of my friends here and what you're doing in uh, their stories. Thank you that you are so intimately involved with everybody here, that you are, you are wooing your people to yourself. And like an evil father still knows how to give good gifts to his kids, how much more do you, our Heavenly Father, know how to give us all good things. Shower this room with all good things. Shower our hearts with all good things. Satisfy us in all the ways that we're looking for in other ways, in other places. Ultimately, would you be glorified? Would your name be hallowed? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done in this family of God? We pray this in Jesus' name.